The Sports Beat KC Tour of College Football Media Days continues with this episode featuring the Missouri Tigers. You'll hear from head coach Barry Odom, quarterback Kelly Bryant, and cornerback Demarcus A.C. Also, the Kansas City Stars Mizzou beat writer Alex Schiffer and I will talk about the Tigers, the motivational possibilities of the NCAA-levied postseason ban, which Missouri is appealing. I'm Blair Kirkhoff, and this is Sports Beat KC, the sports podcast presented by the Kansas City Star. Let's start with a response from Barry Odom when asked about how the team would deal with a possible bowl ban. I'm, I'm not sure. You know, I wish I could make a, a, a great statement about the really uh, the timing or how I feel. I do know this. I'm really proud of our administration. I'm thankful for our legal counsel and thankful for the outside counsel that we've received. They've been very, very aggressive in our approach, but also respectful. And uh, you know, our, our, our timeline on that. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll find out uh, in the in the near future, I think. But but also, you know, for our team, I look at that, and we've talked about it a lot. If um, if you sit around and think about that, you know, and that's not that's not anything that we're about. Okay, that does not put us in position to play really good on August 31st. Okay, we control what we have to have the opportunity to control, and right now that's not one of them. So, is it on their minds? Probably. Yeah. Is it on mine? Absolutely. But you know what? That is wasted thought at this point. It, it does nothing for the 2019 team. If we get the opportunity to to play more than 12 games, then we'll we'll take it. You bet. But it's uh, kind of where we're at with it. You know, I'm excited to to get closure on it, but but also it's something that that we can't control. Alex Schiffer, the Missouri beat writer for the Kansas City Star, joins us. Alex spent uh, Monday earlier this week at SEC Media Days in Birmingham. Alabama. It was the first time I can remember, Alex, that Missouri was the leadoff school for SEC Media Days. And before we drill down into what was said and how it was interpreted and all the things you do from Media Days, I I wanted to get, first of all, your impressions. You've been to SEC Media Days before, but because Missouri went first, do you think there was more attention devoted to the Tigers this time just because of their position in the batting order? I definitely think they benefited from from being first and and being on the same day as a school like LSU and Florida, where they have big media contingents too. So I, I definitely think that they benefited from from being earlier than I think they were on the third day last year. Yeah, it seems like traditionally they're they're on the third day for for whatever reason. I I know that the order of appearance often is based on coaches' preferences and the the more either seniority or success that you have the the more likely you're going to uh, land on the date that, that you want. Uh, I, but if I'm Missouri, if I'm any school, I kind of like getting it over with. Get down there, get it over with, get back. And um, as we speak, there's uh, there's still another full day of media. There's two full days. We're, we're speaking on Wednesday around noon, and there's media days today, and it doesn't wrap up until Thursday in Alabama. So it. It's a long haul for the for the reporters, but it is fun. It's the beginning. It's the unofficial beginning of of college football season, and and just a you know, it's back at the Winfrey, as you said in Atlanta last year at the College Football Hall of Fame. It's quite a setting for the SEC. I I think the Big Twelve, where I was earlier this week, tried to win the setting battle by having theirs inside AT and T Stadium, home of the Dallas Cowboys. But just in terms of uh, mass humanity. There's, there really isn't anything that tops the SEC. Kind of set the scene a little bit for us, and 
just the number of people and how crowded it is and and what it's like coming down the escalator at the Winfrey Hotel. Yeah, it's uh, so you walk in the the Winfrey, which I didn't even realize till I was there, was that it's connected to a big mall. Yeah, right. Uh, I when you walk in, you walk in. There's a lobby. You're staring directly at Radio Row, where all the coaches go, and out past them is the mall. There's a belk right there, and you can see into the mall a little bit as to what else is there. And to your immediate right is the escalator you're talking about, where uh, where you go up and where the coaches come down. The the autograph hounds essentially kind of meet at the. They're just kind of stay at the bottom of the escalator, and uh, and wait for the players, the coaches, et cetera, to come through. You know that escalator up leads directly to the big room and the TV room right across from each other. Depending upon your preference, obviously uh, everyone rotates through both those. Along and uh, me, uh, the TV room is more of a smaller setting for print media, but all the cameras are there. It's more of a. It's like I'm trying to figure out how to explain it, but it's 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 limited seating in the front in order for the cameras to have extended view in the back, and then obviously the big room right next to it is as its name entails bigger and uh and has about four or five rows of tables six row uh, six rows of tables per section and and all, and, and all filled i mean we're talking about hundreds and hundreds of reporters that are milling around on the second floor of of the winfrey hotel and i just i just remember the the escalator down when nick saban or gus malzahn or then Mark Richt from Georgia would come down the escalator. They would they would land in a roped off uh, you know group of fans with their helmets and their you know their t shirts and everything else to be signed. There there is no scene like that in in other media days. I've been to all of them in in college football, and there is no other scene quite like the one at SEC media days when when it's in Birmingham. Okay, and one other thing, Alex, before we. Before we talk about what was said, let's get an update on, uh, if there is one, on the NCAA situation. It seems like uh, Missouri should be making its formal former, formal appeal uh, of, the, of the NCAA penalties that include the one-year uh, postseason ban sometime soon. Just give us a little update on what you know and what was said at, uh, in Alabama about that. Yeah. Uh, so Missouri is supposed to meet with the appeals committee any day now. I, I had a source tell me at me uh, on media days uh, later this week. So later this week, depending upon your uh, your definition, is Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday. Or if they do weekend hearings, which I doubt they do Saturday or Sunday. But uh, but they're supposed to meet this week. Uh, I think I would describe Missouri's stance as or, or chair feeling as cautiously optimistic. Um, you know, talking to people in media days, I think that there's a lot of people that think that they have a lot of reason to get the appeal overturned. And there's a lot of people that also thought that the NCAA was right in its punishment. I, I think timing of all this is very interesting because we're seeing, you know, with North Carolina State and potentially others in the near future – getting handed the FBI infractions and uh, the to rephrase, I guess, the, the letter of infractions in the, relation the, to the, the FBI. No, notice yeah. of allegations from the NCAA. Yeah, that's right. a, yes, that's a phrase I was looking for. And uh, I think it's going to be interesting because if, if the NCAA upholds its ruling on Missouri, they're going to get even less cooperation than they were already going to get from all the schools in question. So – I, uh, I do think, given the timing of all this, that it's a bit of a, a watershed moment for 
the NCAA with with this stuff because I, I think it'd be in their favor. Maybe be a little relaxing on some of the penalties if they want to get as much as they can from the schools they're about to hammer. Right. Okay. We're going to take a short break to tell you about a new podcast from McClatchy Studios in the Miami Herald about Florida race car driver Randy Lanier's double life as a drug kingpin. Give it a listen. The state of mind that racing would put me in was sort of a... I put my own team together and ended up going to Indianapolis 500. It will be quite a feather in Randy Lanier's cap. He is named Rookie of the Year. I had plenty of sponsorship coming right from Columbia. (laughs) By the early 80s, a river of pot was flowing from Columbia to the United States. And it came in by the barge load, thanks to a drug kingpin who was hiding in plain sight. I missed a race because I was bringing a load in. It was 135,000 pounds. How much was that worth? 44 million bucks. <laughs> I'm Amy Driscoll. And I'm Alex Harris. This summer, the Miami Herald and McClatchy Studios take you inside the story of Randy Lanier. Oh, the most exciting race I've ever seen. A tale of weed. There was two guys always there. That was the FBI. Speed. Randy Lanier against the wall. Really? And the road ahead. Everybody changes. Everything changes. Smoked. Coming July 16th on Apple Podcasts and MiamiHerald.com slash smoked. Uh, it's definitely different. Um, you know, Clemson is, uh, of course, well-known. You know, school, you know, won a few national titles. Uh, been college football playoffs, you know, consistently. You know, now you come to a long ways um, from home, like 12 hours away, you know, being in Missouri. It's a show-me state. And, you know, I didn't even know that before after, after I committed. So, you know, just having the seeing the chip that the whole state has on their shoulder and, you know, the, this entire support, you know, from, you know, this person to the next person, you know, it just means a lot. And it just shows how much they care about the football. I mean, I watch the film. I watch the film. We have a 24-hour rule. And, you know, after a game, you you can, you know, doubt and, you know, be sad and whatnot. But in a game of football, it's not going to happen. Uh, I mean, in the years past, you know, Missouri hasn't had that. You know, that wasn't the only play that happened. You know, the fifth, the fifth down game, I don't know. It's a whole bunch of games happened in Missouri. It's pretty weird. Yeah, free kicker. So, uh, I mean, I can't do nothing about it right now, so I just, you know, wash it away 24 hours and went back right back and get focused on uh, the next game, so I mean, it's unfortunate, but it happens. So I got this right, 24-hour rule is 24 hours after the game, you yeah. can complain, be upset, yeah. then, then call everybody, call your mom, call your dad, you know, yeah. everybody calling your phone, and, and then, after that, you just say, okay, it's done, but uh, okay. I don't worry about it. I didn't call anybody. I just Who had, called you? Oh, a lot of people. I don't want to say. <laughs> I didn't even answer a lot. I, I, I probably answered to my mom, uh, my high school coach, and uh, a couple other, you know, extended family. But uh, you, you just gotta, you know, go on, go on with your life about that. You can't do nothing. You just don't see a lot of replays. Yeah. So. I was gonna say, what was the reaction on your phone? Were the people taking shots at you and blaming you? Were there some people yeah. defending you? Or you yeah, know, what was the reaction yeah, like? Yeah, there's a lot of shots going on. It's a lot of, hey, you lost the game. A lot of that. But uh, like I said before. Um, you know, all you gotta do is stay humble. Say, you know, Coach Coach Odom does a great job of telling us to keep our blinders on. So uh, usually after the game, I don't really check social media just because I know there's a lot of people that are just nagging at me. But uh, to be honest, I just that just makes you have a tough skin. So uh, just keep my blinders on, keep it pushing. You heard from Tigers quarterback Kelly Bryant on playing with a chip on the shoulder mentality, and cornerback Demarcus Hasey on putting in the rearview mirror the questionable final play pass interference call that led to Kentucky's winning points in last year's game at Columbia. 
We're back with Alex Schiffer, who spent uh, a day in Hoover, Alabama, at SEC Media Days, talking to Coach Barry Odom, Missouri players uh, about the upcoming season, and one person that who received a lot of attention uh, because I read it in stories that you wrote, Alex, was quarterback Kelly Bryant, the transfer from Clemson. He kind of held court, didn't he, uh, with uh, with with a lot of reporters who remember him from his career at Clemson, and now he's in the SEC. Uh, it's it's a you know a bit of an unusual situation for Missouri to have a guy like him who has played in the college football playoff step in and 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 take over the role. But what did um, what did reporters? I'm always curious about what people outside of the you know the the, the Missouri media uh, what were they curious about? What what did they want to know about Kelly Bryant? Yeah, you know, we, we talked earlier about um, Missouri benefiting from going on the first day. I, I just want to say, because you talked about setting the scene, my jaw dropped at how many reporters treated Kelly Bryant as if he were a movie star. There were multiple television cameras following his every move. It, it was it, – it, I've never seen a Missouri athlete get that kind of treatment other than Michael Porter Jr. at SEC tip-off his freshman season before the back injury and everything. It, it, I thought Drew Locke had a good following last year, but this was unmatched, in my opinion, as to how many people uh, followed him. As for the questions, it was funny. You know, I, a lot of people kept bringing up, I think, the three to four biggest points were, you know, especially with other SEC media, Florida reporters were there. Kelly Bryant heavily considered Florida and Arkansas, obviously with Chad Morris, Arkansas's coach, being his lead recruiter to Clemson. Uh, there were a lot of questions to him from both media contingents about just why did you go to Missouri over those schools? It was funny, you know, talking Kelly Bryant's parents were there to cheer him on. I've never heard of parents uh, going to support their son at a media day, but it, it was cool. I enjoyed talking to them. And, uh, and, you know, they kept getting questions. Was it really a close competition between Missouri and the other schools? His mother, Deborah said, no, it, it, was more than just a landslide. So I, I thought that it was very fascinating just how many schools just kind of kept picking his brain on why Missouri, why Missouri. It's almost like they were in denial that he that he wound up there in some ways. That is unusual to have the parents at at a media days. I don't I don't know if I've ever seen that. Uh, so did they did they follow him around from you know have media days work? There's a the players are at a breakout table for the print and and then they go into separate rooms for television interviews. Did the parents follow? Their son around uh, through all the interviews. So, so it's funny, you know, the way um, the way this developed that, that it all that we found out about it. I I was kind of stalking Kelly myself when he was in a TV interview room because he was about to go up the escalator back to uh, be on set with, with Laura Rutledge, and I want to see how he handled the autograph hounds because that last year was how I got my Drew Lock autograph story that ran about a year ago. I thought came out really well. And I already saw guys with like suitcases full of different SEC helmets and everything. So I was kind of waiting that out. So Kelly Bryant signs for everybody. And these two people emerge and he gives a man in a Mizzou polo a big hug. And he gives this other woman a kiss. And I thought that was that was interesting. So we're on the elevator, the uh, escalator together with a couple of Mizzou officials. And I said, hey, uh, who were those relatives or family friends? He goes, no, those are my parents. And all the Mizzou officials were like, your parents are here? He's like, yeah, they came to say hi. They're like, well, why didn't you tell us? He goes, well, you know, it wasn't a big deal to me. I wasn't going to ruin the day over this or redo everything. So when he was on set with Laura Rutledge, the Mizzou people went back, back to bring his parents up so they could hang out with him more. So 
it's funny how we didn't mention it and just how, you know, I kind of wondered if I ever, if I didn't ride the escalator up with him and just ask out of, you know, curiosity, you know, do we, do I even get to meet his parents and everything? How interesting. Okay. So how did, how did Kelly uh, Bryant sound? Was he had to be confident and he had to speak to his, the reasons for his departure from Clemson. We all know that what happened there, Trevor Lawrence became the starter and, and Kelly Bryant decided to leave. I mean, that's what it, what happens in college football, not just a qu- the quarterback position, but a, a lot of positions. But it gets a lot more attention when it's the quarterback. How, what, did, what did Kelly Bryant say about that? Yeah, I, I thought he was very good about it. You know, he, he, kept get, uh, he kept getting asked about how would you feel with Clemson smacking Alabama and, you know, how much did you miss and everything and, and how much re- regret did you have, if any. And, and he was saying that, I, I didn't really have any regret. Uh, I didn't. Ex- I wasn't surprised at the outcome of the game, but you know, it, it, I, I did what I had to do, and, and it clearly it worked out. I don't think there's any reason why Clemson should be angry at me. They're, they're the national champions right now. It was interesting, kind of hearing him with talk about all that. He was. He talked about you know he he's not bitter toward Trevor Lawrence. He's you know he's not a hate a hateful person. You know he kept saying people say I'm a quitter, but I took advantage of the rule. And a lot of other people would have done the same if they were me. And he's not going to be the last one to do this. Nope, he is absolutely not. Um, so uh, he was he was the Missouri star at, um, at at SEC media days. But there were other players there as well. Um, uh, defensive back DeMarcus Acey was there, linebacker. Uh, Garrett was there. What uh, you, you wrote a really nice story that appeared in today's Kansas City Star about – Demarcus AC and, and and it revealed some things I I, I didn't know uh, about the aftermath of a play in which um, you know the, the 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 final play of regulation in the Missouri home loss to Kentucky, in which he committed a committed a penalty or was flagged for defensive pass interference. So, walk us through the the conversations that you had with uh, Demarcus AC and how he has assumed a, a leadership role on this team. Yeah, you know, uh, when when Missouri brought him, I, I always thought that uh, that Demarcus Acey was a, a kind of a player that you know, as a me- from the perspective of a media member, he's got some personality, but has never really showed it around us. You know, the the two instances I had with him before that I thought that he he had some good interview potential in him was he once called uh, Gabe Diarman an old man on Twitter for allegedly mishearing his Whataburger burger order of all things, and. Um, and this spring to me, I was going to interview a new cornerbacks coach and former Chiefs position coach, David Gibbs. And uh, DeMarcus Sutton goes, hey, I heard you requested me today. I said, yeah, I was going to go get Gibbs first. And he goes, no, 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 you get me right now. You don't get me at all. And as I was opening my mouth to answer that, he goes, you're not the only one in this town that's got stuff to do now or never. <laughs> so, um, I like so, that. Yeah, I know. I thought it was funny. Like I didn't I, – and I got him right there. So – you know, I, I was surprised with how with how revealing and how much personality he showed. Um, you know, I put this in my tweet when I put out the story this morning. But when when I was asking about the Kentucky aftermath and how quickly he got over it, because he, he did have a good strong finish to the season. I mean, he, he played shaky in the Liberty Bowl, but he had two picks against Tennessee. I thought he was the hero of that game. If he doesn't have that interception right before halftime to set up the other touchdown, you know, maybe it's a closer game. But I, uh, you know, when he said that. Fan, a fan called him accusing him of point shaving. I, I just was that that uh, you've been in the business a long uh, longer time than I've been Blair, but that's one of the all time most ridiculous things I think I've ever heard with that. And, uh, you know, him talking about he woke up to a text next morning, you know, hey, you lost the game. 
And he said he kind of flushed it out. The only people he talked to that weekend were his mother and high school coach. And uh, I, I thought he was – I thought he had a lot of – showed a lot of personality. And, you know, Kel Garrett was the one that kind of got me on that story. He just said how he's been talking a lot more. And it's just something that you didn't really realize for a while. It's like, oh, wow, you know, he, you know this time last year he'd really be quiet in the locker room. Now he's one of our biggest voices. So um, – and he was good with other reporters too. You know, usually you sometimes think, all right, well, he's being personable with me. You know, I'm around him a lot. Is it – going to translate to the big room and the other rooms. Uh, you know, one guy asked him, you know, what's it like playing Tennessee in November? And he goes, you know, if you check the scores, you know, it's, it's, it's <laughs> right. fun. And, uh, you know, someone was asking about the Florida game and he goes, you know, he's like, we whooped them. And then he looked like he was going to kind of pour some gasoline on the fire. And then he kind of held back a little bit. So I, uh, I, I thought he was the pleasant surprise to me that Kel Garrett's been one of the best interviews on the team since he got to Missouri. Uh, I thought DeMarcus Ace, you know, Kelly Bryant had all the spotlight, but I thought it was kind of low-key DeMarcus Ace's coming out party with the media. Yeah, and as you mentioned, Kale Garrett, the senior linebacker from uh, from Kearney, was, was also there. And uh, uh, what did uh, what, what, you hear from him that uh, that was interesting? Yeah, you know, so uh, a couple things. He, he got it. I forgot he's a big Chiefs fan. Um, you know, he got asked about, uh, got asked about the, uh, defending Georgia, and he said, well, you know, uh, like Miracle Hartman's a, is a heck of a receiver. He's like, you know, I was, you know, the, the silver lining for me was when the Chiefs took him. Um, he, you know, he's a big time hiker. He's a really interesting guy off the uh, off the field. He, he records his own electronic music, which I already knew. You know, I we we've talked to him a lot about how he was a late flip from Navy to Missouri, and uh, I, I we were asking him a lot about the Navy and how much he knew and what he wants to go into, and he really wants to be a Navy SEAL had he stuck with his commitment to the Naval Academy. So that was a revel, uh, revealing thing about him. He, he, he's, again, he's a very interesting guy off the field, and, and he was kind of talking more about the defense. The, every player on Missouri's roster was extremely high on Jordan Elliott, the, who transferred from Texas a couple years ago. He had a good end of the season last year. He had the three-sack game against Arkansas and the forced fumble that set up a touchdown. Everyone's saying that he could be first-team All-SEC, and potentially a first-round pick for Missouri this year. Will I? You know, I, I have an All-SEC ballot preseason. I have to turn in by Friday. I don't know if he'll be on my ballot right now because I, I think he's more talk right now than the numbers will say. But I, I do think that he has a chance by the end of the season if he puts up the numbers to be, you know, first-team All-SEC and whatnot. Okay. All right. I want to uh, I want to circle back to something we talked about earlier. And and dive into this a little bit more, and that is the possibility of the of the postseason ban and how that might affect the Tigers emotionally this year in in both directions. If if the postseason ban somehow is lifted, I do think that that remains a a long shot. I, I know that there have been signs this year that the, from the NCAA, maybe some mixed signals and some earlier decisions. But let's just say that uh, the, the, that it happens, and and the, and the postseason ban is lifted. I uh, the, then the future just looks bright, I think, for Missouri, and and then it's a, it's it's a regular season, right? It's it's the season that they all hoped that uh, in terms of goals and what's out there for them. But if the ban doesn't get lifted, and Missouri goes into the season knowing that there is no hope for a division championship. Or a you know, or or a postseason game, especially for a team that's showing up in some preseason top twenty fives. I, I want to run this by you. I I think that that is the ultimate chip on the shoulder, the ultimate us against the world attitude that Missouri can take 
into the season and use that in a, in a in a positive way when it comes to on-field performance. Am I nuts about that? No, I, I was telling somebody, I think Missouri, if the bull ban is upheld, I think Missouri's role model for this season is UCF. They try to go undefeated and, and just look like the – try to make the NCAA look absolutely terrible for not being able to put them in the college football playoff or the SEC title game. Uh, I think that that's the role model that Missouri should kind of have. And it maybe it helps that Barry Odom's former OC, Josh Heifel, is the, the new head coach of um, UCF, had his first season there last year. And obviously Jim Sterk is a member of the White family tree in the athletic department world. And uh, Danny White being the AD at UCF has good relations, so they can easily get some inspirational material from them. But uh, I, I think that's the, the role model for Missouri as of right now from the bull band being upheld perspective is – just try to shock the world, make the NCAA look terrible, and be the team that could have been in the world of college football this year and have everybody – I think they get the benefit of the doubt almost in the polls and whatnot because of being unable to play in a bowl game. So I, I think that that's the role model if it gets upheld. If it gets lifted, I, I think it would be very interesting, the timing that it were to get lifted. You know, I, I think they'll have an answer by the end of September – I, it's the NCA, so take that with a uh, cup of salt, heck with a grain of salt. And, um, you know, I think it, if you're the team that Missouri plays, if they were to get notified in the middle of the week or, or the Monday before a game, I would hate to be the opposing coach. Because now, you, you know, I, I just imagine the potential of them understanding that they're playing for something big time. I mean, if they go, if they're undefeated, and, and I, this is a big hypothetical, but how upset would Kirby Smart be if Missouri's undefeated going into Georgia and Missouri finds out that week that they can play in a postseason game? I, I think it would be a very interesting game in Athens because now it's real and they can really do some damage. So I, I think that the timing is going to be very interesting with all this because, again, I, I think they'll get an answer you know, probably in September, October, and that's wishful thinking. But if it were to be prolonged – and it were to get lifted, it it would be very interesting to kind of see how that first game with clarity would be. You know, do, does it distract them and they get caught up in it, or do they just blow the doors off the team and now they're the national story? You know, I, I remember talking to Barry Odom earlier this summer, and the, the idea and the hope was, and, and to Jim Sterk as well, that the some some kind of decision would be known by the beginning of football season. But it sounds like that's um, if if the Missouri appeal is going to be heard this week, then there, I think there's another uh, another period of time that the appeals committee you know, has to meet, has to consider, and and that could take uh, the the process into the season, which would be you know look the idea is to to have it fully vetted and for Missouri to. Um, you know, to, to they they want the, the Missouri thinks it's in the right on this on this appeal, and uh, and let the NCAA take as as much time, uh, reasonable amount of time as necessary to 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 reach a decision. Okay, Alex, uh, listen, appreciate you stopping by, and we will talk to you again soon. Links to Alex Schiffer's Mizzou coverage can be found in the show notes and on KansasCity.com and in the print editions of the Kansas City Star. Thanks to producers Kathy Liu and Leah Becerra for all of their work during College Football Media Days week. 
We'll be back soon on Sports Beat KC, talking sports in Kansas City.